a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources. Inside Sources. Where KSL offers Utah deeper insights on the news. Here's our host, Boyd Matheson, on KSL News Radio. So let me ask you a simple question Are you with me? I ran for president. That was President Biden at the Democratic National uh, Committee, their uh, national meeting. Uh, that was held over the weekend, and the president, of course, was weighing in, trying to gin up support and get people excited about 2024. And so he's asking the crowd if they are with him uh, to thunderous applause. And obviously it is getting to be time for President Biden uh, and re-election campaign. So during the uh, speech in Philadelphia uh, with the uh, Democratic National Committee, uh, the president and the vice president rallied the crowd uh, really kind of doing this thing of a soft launch uh, for the 2024 campaign. So the big question beyond the headlines is, what's the message? What's he running on? What's he running for? Let's begin. Think you know the news of the day? Think again. Well, it did sound like a uh, warm-up speech for the president. Uh, lots of speeches over the uh, the course of the next several days for President Biden. Uh, it was a big speech for him on Friday and for Vice President Kamala Harris as they really try to position to launch their 2024 campaign, which we expect they will probably announce in the next several weeks. The president obviously wanted to get past the State of the Union address. Hard to mix and merge those two speeches. Uh, but I think there will be a little bit of mixing tomorrow. We'll get to that in a minute. Uh, But I want to go through some of the things that were said, because one of the things that we should have learned uh, from his speech in Philadelphia is what the president and the vice president feel are their strongest points to run for reelection on. So let's start with the vice president. Vice President Harris began by saying, hey, gang, we've got momentum going into 2024. Actually, we are delivering big time. After two years of good work, we have a lot of good material to show for it. So we have momentum. And now let's let the people know. So the vice president saying, hey, we have done a lot. We do have momentum. Maybe we haven't communicated it as effectively or powerfully or forcefully as we need to during an election year. And so that was really her opening salvo was, look, we have a lot to run on. And I think for the base of the Democratic Party, that is true. I think that's a true statement. They have a lot they can tout. They have a lot they can talk about. Uh, Getting the rest of the country will will be part of the tap dance component to all of this. 
Uh, President Biden, of course, started with some of those accomplishments that, again, will be critical to fending off any kind of challenge from his base in the Democratic Party. The biggest investment in American infrastructure since Eisenhower's administration, interstate highway system. Our roads, our highways, bridges, ports, airports, clean water systems, high-speed internet, rail, lower health care costs, and lower prescription drug prices. The first black woman on the Supreme Court of the United States of America. Most significant gun control passed in 30 years. We got more to do, including getting rid of assault weapons and, and magazines. As already been mentioned, the biggest investment in tackling the climate crisis in the history of not only this country, but the history of the world. All right. So that was President Biden clearly appealing to the base of the party uh, with that list, moving that forward. Then he pivoted to what I think is a, a big one for everyone across the perspective. He touted the record job creation after the jobs report came out late last week. You know, as of this month, we've created 12 million new jobs. More new jobs in two years than any president did in their entire term. That's because of you. The strongest two years of growth in history by a long shot. 3.4% unemployment, the lowest in 54 years. So the president uh, clearly hitting the uh, the job numbers, which uh, were off the charts uh, beyond anybody's uh, wildest expectations there. So that's a, an area where the president does have to lean in and weigh in. He's got to take credit uh, for that politically. Again, politically, we're speaking here in terms of his 2024 prospects. Two friends taking pictures of the rising full moon on a summer night. Two teenage kids doing what teenage kids do. When a stranger with a gun and a death wish changed everything. It was violent. It was senseless. And I will never understand it. I will never accept it. I'm Amy Donaldson. And unfortunately, we're all too familiar with stories about how violence shatters lives. But what we rarely see is how they are rebuilt. In a new podcast, The Letter, we relive tragedy, but only so we can hear the rest of the story. The struggle to reclaim lives, the realities of grief, and the possibilities of forgiveness. I believe in miracles. Sometimes I thought, there are no miracles. Yeah, there are, and this is a big one. Follow The Letter at theletterpodcast.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Now, the president uh, pivoted again to a third component, which I think is also weighing on the minds of a lot of Americans and not just within his party. I think this is across the spectrum. Uh, the president talked about the United States being able to unite and lead the world again under his administration. Here's how he framed it. America is back and we're leading the world again. We are. We've united Europe. We've united the... We've united the Asia, Japan, We've, Japan is doing more than it's ever done. We have AUKUS the, dealing with everything from Australia to India. We're uniting the world. In fact, I've never been more optimistic about America's future than I am today. Okay, so the president's building the case. So he starts with the Democratic base, a lot of the core issues there. Then he broadens it out. Job numbers, that's for all the American people. Now, extending a little further, internationally, we have a place to play. Uh, the United States is respected around the world, and that's a good thing. Uh, so then the president said 
uh, something I think is really interesting inside of the Democratic Party as well as more broadly. And that is the president said that they're working to bring working class back to the Democratic Party. Now, this has been a stronghold of the Democratic Party for many, many years, and then has been drifting away. We talked about this last week, how many of the those in the Democratic Party are becoming more the uh, educated, upper educated elite. Uh, and there's sort of a disconnect with the working class. And the president's clearly trying to keep the Democratic Party rooted in the working class, uh, not always successfully, but here's how he framed it for the Democratic National Committee. Those of you who were over 40, did you ever think we'd be in a situation where blue-collar workers are voting Republican? No, no, let's, let's we've got to be honest, man. Because they think we forgot them. They think we don't care. They're coming back, but they, that's what they thought. A lot of them came to believe that the Democratic Party stopped caring about them. And lots of folks feel that way today still, but we're making inroads. We're turning it around. My first two years in office, we created 750,000 manufacturing jobs. And by the way, where is it written America can't lead the world again in manufacturing? Okay, so I, this may have been the most important thing I think President Biden said to the Democratic Party faithful over the weekend. We always say it's easy to shout talking points at your enemies. It's another thing to look your friends in the eye and tell them they're wrong or that they've made a mistake or that they need to change. And I commend President Biden for saying to the Democrats, look, we have not been communicating well or serving well the working class. And and I think he summed up. There, was, there were a few little boos there in the crowd, and he said, no, we've got to be honest about this. So there's a lot of blue-collar workers who are voting Republican. They feel like we've forgotten them, that we don't care, that we've left them behind. And then he pivoted into some of the things that he's hoping to do to help the working class, particularly around manufacturing jobs. So I commend the president for that being honest with his own party. Uh, I criticize both sides for just uh, you know putting the uh, Pollyanna glasses on. Uh, and only saying nice things at these kind of meetings, these national committee meetings, where you really do have the party faithful that are there. And so I commend the president for saying, look, we we have a problem with blue-collar workers as a, as a Democratic Party. I think the Republicans have problems with all kinds of subsets, <laughs> and they need to deal with that too. But I commend the president for being honest with his own party to say, look, we're, we've messed this up. If they feel like we don't care, like they don't belong, like we're disconnected from their world, they will go somewhere else. So a very important message, a surprising message uh, from the president that, again, goes well beyond the the headlines. Uh, Finally, the president also just tried to frame Republicans. Again, remember, this was a political speech, uh, so he has to do something towards the Republican Party. And he said, no, these guys aren't really conservatives. They're just disruptors. These aren't conservatives. These aren't conservatives. These disruptive people, they intend to destroy the progress we made. Folks, as I said, this is not your father's Republican Party. Just take a look at what they're doing. So, again, talking about them as a disruptive party. So I think that was actually a pretty well-crafted political speech from the president to his party faithful. I think he hit all the right buttons. I think he challenged his party. I think he touted some successes. I think he pivoted to the middle. 
uh, and had it all forward moving. So I think that's sort of the soft launch when it comes to uh, President Biden and uh, Vice President Harris's 2024 campaign. We'll see more of that in the weeks to come. As we continue on through this hour, though, we're going to get into the speech tomorrow night, the State of the Union. And that's a very different speech uh, with a very different headline and a whole lot more to think about. We'll be right back. With Lloyd Matheson on KSL News Radio. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast Cold. Don't miss Cold's new season three, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts.